It's Fire Away Friday. Fire Away Friday. On Exploring the Word, this is your chance to ask us your Bible question at 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. You can also email your question at word at AFR.net or visit Facebook.com slash Exploring the Word. Exploring the Word. It's Fire Away Friday on American Family Radio. We're glad you're listening to Fire Away Friday. This is Bert and Alex. It's our joy to be with you on these Fridays when we take phone calls. That number, so we can open up the phone lines, is 888 Give us a call. We'd love to get your question. Alex, as we begin this Fire Away Friday, I'm excited about what God is going to do in our lives and the lives of those that are listeners. We always usually learn something on Fire Away Friday. Well, we really do. And I want to encourage everybody be planning to be in the house of God on Sunday. Hope you're going to church somewhere and taking somebody to church with you. You know, it's always a great opportunity. And Bert, I was just reading a thing yesterday about how one of the key needs of people today is relationships. And, um, Maybe it's the technology that has got everybody so, you know, consumed with time. Maybe it's COVID, but people are lonely. People need connectivity. And you inviting somebody to church and just spending time with somebody, uh, chances are it's just what your neighbor needs, and you can bring them under the sound of the gospel. And so, Bert, I think we live in times of great gospel opportunity. Do you? It is. And you're talking about relationship being a need today. Guess what? It always has been. But it's, uh, it's really more noticed today because of the pandemic and people shut in, isolation because people are using phones, the cell phones, and texting to communicate rather than face-to-face. But those face-to-face uh, meetings like you were talking about uh, with people singing together, praising the Lord together, praying together. Yeah, it was great to have it, you know, uh, put into the homes and streamlined. That was great live streaming for a while. But I'm telling you, get back in church and, and fellowship with one another. That relationship is needed, Alex. And we praise the Lord that uh, things can really happen when God's people, two or three, are gathered together in his name, right there he is in the midst or in the middle of it. Well, let me say this before we go to the first call. And by the way, this is Exploring the Word. Bert and Alex, so glad you're listening. We're going to take your Bible questions all for this hour. But tomorrow, 24 hours from now, I'm so excited. I will be in Missouri. I fly into St. Louis, but I'm going to be at a place called the Old Brick Church in Irondale, Missouri. That's Irondale, and tomorrow night, July 17, 6 p.m., we'll be doing a service Sunday morning and then Sunday afternoon as well. And, Bert, I'll be talking about biblical worldview. We'll take some questions. But I'm looking forward to going to Missouri. And if you're in the area of Irondale, Missouri, which is it's an hour or so out of St. Louis, but the Old Brick Church, you can find them online, find them on Facebook, and we would love to meet you there as I spend this weekend of ministry in Missouri. That sounds exciting, Alex. I'll be at First Baptist Church, Baldwin, Mississippi. It's north okay. of Tupelo. I'm the interim pastor there. I'll be preaching at 930. 
And if you don't have a church home and you live in this area, visit them. They're a friendly, great church, and we're enjoying being there. Hey, Alex, let me give a shout-out real quickly for the Fishbowl Retreat. Sure. People are signing up, and we're having opportunity to talk to people, share with them about this. But the Pastor and Wife Fishbowl Retreat is October the 19th through the 21st. It's at Pickwick Landing State Park, a lodge there, beautiful place overlooking the Tennessee River uh, and uh, close to Savannah, yeah. Tennessee. Oh, Jan, my word. That yeah, sounds beautiful. It is beautiful. Jan and I will be there, of course, and Ed Vitagliano, J.J. Jasper. So go to repairingthefoundations.net, repairingthefoundations, that's plural, .net. Register today or talk to your pastor and his wife and see if they want to come. And the church go together, elders, deacons, Sunday school class, Send your yes. pastor and his wife to the fishbowl retreat. Well, folks, you won't you won't be disappointed. They are wonderful. They are really great, and I'm glad you're doing that. And uh, we begin Fire Away Friday. We're going to one of my favorite states, Oklahoma, and we're going to talk to Jesse. Jesse, welcome to the program. Yes, sir. I enjoy your program immensely. Well, um, thank you. In first in First John chapter four. Four through six, I believe this is scripture that indicates to Christians what they are clearly to do. If they are listening to a sermon on the radio, on television, or within their own sanctuary, their own church, you know, you need to follow along the Word of God with your own eyes, with your own mind, and listen. And if something doesn't sound right, Question it, take a note of it, but then ask somebody who is very knowledgeable, and this is what I heard. Is this the way you you heard it? Because not everyone is teaching true gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And there are so many that are false teachers, and I'm seeing them on a daily basis. Hey, Jesse, great comment. Let me add another one besides that one in 1 John. It's Acts chapter 17, right after Paul and Silas left Thessalonica. They went to a wonderful place called Berea. And here's what he says, and this is one of my favorite scriptures, uh, and, and, and you know, in, in all the Bible, 1711 of Acts. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness— and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Alex, that passage really says what we as people who are listening to Bible teachers, we receive the word of God readily. We don't Amen. have to set the whole oh, man what it's saying, but we search the scriptures to make sure that it is true. Yes, we do. And uh, so I love that passage in, in Acts 17, 11. And I, I just think that's what we should and that's what we want people to do with us here on exploring the word listen we're going to do our best to be as biblical as we can loving truthful uh those are the two things we want to combine truth and love speak the truth how in love that's a good combination isn't it it really is it really is and jesse i thank you for bringing this up about first john 4 because elsewhere in first john first john 2 uh, you ought to read First John two fifteen through twenty two because folks think about this the litmus test for Christian orthodoxy 
is in 1 John 2 and 1 John 4. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus has come in the flesh is, uh, it says, is of the Antichrist. And it says, even though you know the Antichrist is coming, the spirit or the mindset of Antichrist is already in the world. So, you know, Bert, I can, I can uh, make space for a lot of, uh, lot of things. You know, you listen to speakers, and some you like more than others. But if somebody denies that Jesus is the incarnate Son of God, or if somebody says, well, Jesus is a way but not the only way, I mean, if they cross that bridge of denying Jesus— I can't listen to them. You got that right. I I use this quite a bit, uh, and and they are the five V's of of checking it out. One, do they believe that the Bible is the verbal, inspired Word of God, that God gave it? Do they believe in the virgin birth, that Jesus Mm. was conceived of the Holy Spirit, of the Mary Virgin? Do they believe in the vicarious death of Jesus, that he did die on the cross? He became sin for us. Do they believe in the victorious resurrection that he overcame sin and death? And do they believe in the visible return of Jesus Christ? And every one of those has to do with Jesus. That's the whole idea because the Bible is God's Word, and Jesus was called the Word. So check that out. Those five V's will do you strong and help you a lot. Amen. Well, we're going to go to Texas. Patrick in Texas, welcome to Exploring the Word. Yes, sir. Thank you. Uh, I just came across some uh, information about, um, well, it's about the World Economic Forum, and uh, Klaus Schwab, who's the head of it, just recently came out talking about the uh, cyber polygon and uh, what they, you know, the cyber attack that he believes is going to come. But hey, there's a lot of disturbing things that this man talks about, and one of them is everyone having a, a microchip bi- or biochip to, uh, you know, be able to buy and sell and things like that. And um, I don't know if you know anything about the World Economic Forum or Klaus Schwab or Bill and Melinda Gates have a lot to do with them also. But uh, it's just a lot of concerning things um, that uh, I've, you know, through his speeches and things. And I just wondered if what your thoughts are about how it could possibly lead into the mark of the beast. Alex, I remember mm. the first time I heard about the microchips that they could put in individuals. And, oh, yeah. and it, uh, you know, it let me know how it could be. Does this fit into what oh, you yeah. th- th- it looks like it's happening? Well, you know, I remember uh, when I was a youth pastor, and this is, you know, more than 20 years ago, there was, uh, uh, the word came about biotechnology. And there was a group in Florida that had a little microchip about the size of a grain of rice and they, they said they could put all of your medical history and financial history on this chip and implant it under the skin. And they experimented with people and did that. And, you know, your dogs and cats, your pets and livestock have been chipped for years. Now, you know, it's interesting, Bert. They say that technology in terms of uh, just microtechnology and uh, the ability of servers to store information, I read that technology is increasing in leaps and bounds every 120 days. Well, if they could chip people 25 years ago, you know they could now. And uh, I do think when you read about the scenarios of, of Revelation, a mark in your hand or forehead whereby you could not trade or buy or sell or transact business uh, based on that, uh, 
look, I don't know. I know this. I know Jesus is coming. I know the Bible says evil men will wax worse and worse. I know we can be ready. But, Bert, I believe this, and I, I don't mind saying this a bit. Where we are globally with all of the technology and the surveillance and the wiring of the planet, and I read that 85% of the world now carries around a mobile device or a cell phone. And believe you me, everything you do online and every call you make, it's ping, they ping, P-I-N-G, to a tower. They know where you are. They know what you do, how long you spend. The, the technology is there. And this thought, too, and I want your thoughts, Bert. Uh, we could be living in the times of revelation because not only has the technology exploded, but the morality has all but evaporated. So, folks, this is the time to have your house in order, to know that you know Jesus, that your loved ones and those you care about know the Lord, because we very likely may be near the the sound of the trumpet and the return of Christ, the end of time. We might be very near. And the whole idea is to be ready. And uh, someone told this, and I love it, and it's not original. I don't know who originated it. We are not on the planning committee. We're on the welcoming committee. Amen. But I am telling you, if you look at what's taking place, guarantee you we're closer today than we've ever been. And when we see those specific, uh, you know, ideas and different things that's happening right before Christ comes back, it sure looks like it. You better Mm. be ready. Get your house in ready and stay ready. Hey, we're going to be back with more of your questions when we come back here on Exploring the Word. Again, that number, 888-589-8840. Alex and I would love to hear from you. Give us a call. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Lisa Monaco, United States Deputy Attorney General. She is the second highest ranking official in the United States Department of Justice and oversees the day-to-day operation of the department. Proverbs 21.15 reminds us of the importance of justice. When justice is done, it is a joy to the righteous, but terror to evildoers. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Lisa Monaco in her work at the Department of Justice. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. The Bible calls Jesus the Lamb of God. God's once and for all sacrifice for our sins. But Dr. Tony Evans says that a lot of people think being good is good enough. He'll point out the problem with that philosophy as we spend two minutes with Tony. God must judge sin. We all sin. We are all under judgment. We don't all sin to the same degree. We don't all sin the same way. But when you're dealing with perfection, It doesn't matter whether you're a big sinner, medium sinner, or tiny sinner, because perfection. A lot of people go around and say, well, I keep the Ten Commandments. Well, well, you just broke one because you lied, but let's skip that. You say, I keep the Ten Commandments. 
Well, let's say you're hanging over a cliff on a chain with 10 links in it. How many links have to break before you fall? You don't have to break all 10. You just break one, and you might as well have broke all 10 because you're falling off the cliff. God's standard is so high that only perfection will meet it. So the whole Old Testament anticipated through the lambs that they were slaying the time when God would provide this perfect lamb. John the Baptist gives us the name of Jesus. He said, behold, the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. We call this unlimited atonement. The death of Jesus Christ was so sufficient that it addressed every sin of every person who have ever lived for all time. So how do you and I connect with that atonement? To find the answer, visit TonyEvans.org, click on the top menu, and open the Jesus link. Tony will explain how Jesus' death on the cross opened the door to complete forgiveness. Check it out today, then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. You got pain, he's a pain If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom, save it. He's a prison shaking savior. You got chains, he's a chain breaker. Fire Away Friday is the day on the American Family Radio Network that we take questions, your Bible questions. And, Bert, we've got a, a, a full board, but still room for you, dear friend. If you've never called in, today can be your day, 888-589-8840. Right now, we continue in Louisiana with Daryl. Daryl, thank you for holding, and welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, guys, great to be on with you. Been trying to get through for a long time. Well, amen. Um, we're glad to have you. We sure are. The, where in the Bible is the first mention of a GPS system? A global positioning system. Bert, I'm going to take a guess. <laughs> um, now, I think the, the Word of God and the Spirit of God is our global positioning system. But, hey, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Oh, Daryl, is that is that it? You are spot on, brother. I got this from... Seriously? Uh, re- <laughs> yes. Praise I God. Was, uh, I just took a guess at it. <laughs> I was going to say I, Jonah. I, got- I tell you what, I was going to say Jonah, because no matter where he was, they knew where he was. God knew where he was. Yeah, go ahead, Daryl. Amen. I I got this from uh, D.L. Moody's uh, book on studying the Bible, and he said in one of the chapters that if we study and apply the Word to our lives, we will never be out of position with God. And it just hit me, GPS, God's positioning system. (laughs) Well, amen. Man, I love that. Good one. Amen, Daryl. Daryl, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Hey, I hope you get through again with a question like that, Daryl. That was great, brother. Well, uh, that is great. And, you know, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, folks, that's one you really need to commit to memory. That's a very special verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Well, up there in Minnesota, Joan, thank you for holding, and welcome to Exploring the Word. 
Thank you. Uh, my question is, um, when Judas Iscariot, you know, and uh, he betrayed the Lord, and he supposedly hung himself, and my question is, so what if somebody would have caught him and stopped him, or he would have just chickened out, I guess? Um, would Jesus have forgiven him when he was risen? And even the way it is, uh, was he saved? Because he had been with Jesus all that time before that and knew the Word um, and Jesus' teachings. So that's my question. Okay, Joan, thank you. Let me share this. I, when I hear that, I can't help but think of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. He comes to the end of it, and he says, There's going to be many in that day that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not done great works in thy name? Have we not done all these things in thy name? And I'm going to look at them and say, Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you. I Alex, I don't know about you. I have a pretty good visual imagination. Uh, I still have my childhood imagination, if you want to know the truth. And mm -hmm. I can just see Jesus looking over the crowd. But when he comes to that point, he looks and catches Judas's eye. And, and he, you know, because he was there. Judas was there hearing that. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord. Uh, so, so, Joan... You know, he, I, there's a sermon that I didn't preach, but I've heard it, and I use it uh, in a sermon, the man who kissed the door to heaven and yet went to hell. That's Judas's carrot. So that's how close you can get and yet miss it. There's no doubt in my mind he did not repent. Uh, I think he was a, a worldly sorrow but not a godly sorrow that caused him to go and commit suicide, Alex. Well, well, uh, thank you for this great question. Yeah, I mean, it's hypothetical, but the question is, if Judas had not died, uh, he hung himself, and apparently the rope eventually broke, and he was, you know, partially decomposed, and his intestines burst down. But let's say somehow or another Judas had not committed suicide and had genuinely repented, um, would Christ have forgiven him? Uh I think, yes, I mean, this is completely hypothetical, but the fact is he didn't. And in, in fact, in Acts one twenty five, do you remember, Bert, they chose uh, lots and they replaced Judas with a, an apostle named Matthias. And it said that, you know, Judas had died. Some translations will say that he went to his place. And literally what the the wording of that means is the place where he belongs. Well, where does an unbeliever after death belong? In hell, not heaven. And I mean, I know this is hard for us to grasp, but Judas Iscariot, who betrayed the Lord, was, was not saved. He did not repent. Uh, if he had, I mean, anybody that truly repents and believes can be saved, but Jesus even said that it would have been better that he had not been born. So he was, he was definitely lost, I as as I understand my reading of the Scripture, Bert. Yeah, me as well. Thank you, Joan. Great question. Oh, I love Texas and a lot of good folks in Texas. Samuel, welcome to the program. Thanks for holding. Hey, thank you, gentlemen. I always enjoy listening to you. I know this whole week um, you've been dealing with Galatians, 
And so um, just bear with me very quickly. I want to set a premise for my question. The, um, and it's related to legalism and man-made, te- man-made teachings versus um, the, the standards and the requirements of the Most High. So the question is, and I know, Alex, you had talked about it earlier in the week. You had made a point about you and Bert as far as, or Bart, in reference to that legalism is truth at the expense of love and that liberalism was love at the expense of truth. So when we're talking about Paul and and what he was talking to the Galatians and the gospel, the one thing is is interesting because from what I understand, um, Judaism at that time had come to understand that by keeping the laws and the Torah, it was their means to salvation. But we also know that Yeshua, Jesus, rebuked them several times. He rebuked them for searching the scripture, but not realizing that it was the Torah and the prophets that led to him. He rebuked them for setting aside the um, the commandments of the Most High for the sake of their traditions. He rebuked them for um, their Sabbath understanding and washing of hands and things of that nature. Um, And and then we, we also, when we look at all that together, and then we have Paul rebuking Peter. Um, and that Paul rebuking Peter, it was related to their, also their understanding that they were not supposed to eat with Gentiles and do things with Gentiles. Mm-hmm. So the question becomes, was, wasn't that the, the, the premise as far as that legalistic mindset of just keeping the standards for the salvation, which we all know that salvation comes from the Most High, from Yeshua, Hamashiach, Jesus the Messiah, and what he's done that's where grace and salvation comes from. However, he's also given us his spirit. And I, I know, Alice, you talked about it being as a down payment. And that down payment is also requires us to, to walk in his ways because it leads okay. and guides yeah. us. Because if we're not, if we, if we are led by the spirit, we won't gratify the desires of the flesh. Thank you, Samuel. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're catching. Go ahead, Alex. Yeah, let, let's distinguish between... Uh, standards and legalism, because oftentimes if you talk about grace, sometimes people think you're meaning, well, you know, I'm just free to do anything and everything. But, uh, you know, in Galatians, it talks about, well, you know, the Bible uses the phrase is the gifts of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit. But listen to this, and we're going to get there in uh, Galatians, where it talks about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Um, and let me just say this, Bert, whenever you have like man-made standards, um, you know, we don't allow uh, anything but a suit and tie in the sanctuary, you know, or something like whatever. Um, it's fine to have standards, but we need to be clear that they're, they're preferences. And what I have found with legalistic man-made standards that if you don't agree, you're not as spiritual as me or something. They don't produce what Galatians 5 describes. Um, and I've, I've been around some churches that um, they almost put their own preferences, you know, for salvation. Love and joy and faithfulness and gentleness and kindness— Legalism doesn't produce those attributes in in one's life, does it, Bert? It does not. And let me say this. Uh, Sammy, you're right on about the Pharisees. 
Now, what they did, they held everybody else to the standard, many of them, not all of them. Paul said he kept them, but many of them did that, and they themselves would do what they had want. That is not just legalism, that's hypocrisy. And legalism, if you're not careful, leads to hypocrisy real quick, Alex. It really does. And uh, so God's standards, you know, this liberty that we have in Christ does not permit you to disobey God's, God's rules, God's commandments. Uh, the Bible talks about we're not ignorant of those, and we're to look at them and know them. The liberty gives that liberty, the freedom that Paul talks about, gives us the, the ability to obey him, uh, not just with our flesh, but with our minds, our will, uh, our emotions, our heart. And so, you know, this grace does not step out of God's standards, Alex. Murder is murder. Adultery is adultery. Uh, can a Christian get into those and do some of those things that are wrong? Yes, they can. But they are to come back. We have an advocate with a father. Uh, but mm. legalism is, like you said, it is man-made. And what did the Pharisees and all of they do to the law? They added to it. And uh, so don't add anything to Christ, but live according to his will. Thank Amen. you, Samuel. Uh, let's see here. Bert, do you have that line, the top line there? Um, my server thing. Okay, I'll take a William from Oklahoma. Uh, yes. William, I got something to ask you. Is Oklahoma okay? <laughs> yes, it's great. Okay, brother. Mm. Uh, when Alex talked about uh, Oklahoma being one of his favorite states, I could not help but think, well, it's okay. So, brother, welcome to Exploring the Word. All right, thanks for taking my call. Just before I ask a question, I sent you out guys an email with my phone number on it. It was personal. I just wonder if you got mm. it or not. But anyway, my my question is, I, I know the words, but I, like they say, I don't know the address. But it was something about a young prophet came into a city, and he had a, uh, instructions to leave as soon as his job was done. And for some reason, uh, the older prophet there told his son to go and collect the younger prophet. Yeah. And then he talked mm -hmm. him into staying, and he said, oh, uh, God told me to tell you that you could stay and blah, 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 like that. And then when the prophet listened to him, he said, you disobeyed the Lord, and for that you will be punished. And the prophet died. He was uh, attacked by some animal or something. And then the older mm -hmm. prophet said, he's going to be buried in my grave. And um, and and thing like that happened to me, you know, and I realized, that, like, don't listen to somebody when they tell you, because I remember I used to have somebody say, oh, you have to work late today. But I say, the boss told me I didn't have to Oh, they called me and told me that you had to stay late. And then I found out that it was a lie, and they would actually say, why would I have a reason to lie? And they did. But that always intrigued me. Why would a prophet do that, you well, know? Hey, Alex, do prophets... <clears throat> Uh, they get out of God's will. Let me see. There was a guy named Jonah. I've, yes. I, I sure am on Jonah's uh, name today. But, you know, prophets, they, uh, it, you know, we find out Elijah, he he thought he was the only one. Prophets can get out of line, can't they? They can't. You know, this is in the Old Testament in First Kings chapter 13. And let me say this, because it is an interesting story. There's an old man of God and a young man of God. 
and this lion kills this prophet, people ask, why, why is that in the Bible like it is? Well, it may be as a warning to Jeroboam. Because if you read later on in 1 Kings 13.33, it says, even after all this happened, uh, being killed by a lion, uh, Jeroboam didn't change his evil ways, and he appointed all sorts of people as priests of the shrines. They, I mean, they had false altars and non-godly people being priests. Um, among other things, here's my point. If a man of God can get punished for sin, how much more so just an ordinary pagan king, right? That's right. That's a good point. Yeah. William, um, thank you, man. Sunny in Kansas. Sun, is it sunny in Kansas right now, Sonny? <laughs> yes, sir. So, yeah, welcome, um, Sonny. Uh, well, um, I've got a, one question um, about the three Hebrew children were cast into the fiery furnace for not bowing down to uh, Nebuchadnezzar's idol. Well, um, I just kind of always have wondered where Daniel was because everyone was supposed to bow down. That is a great question. I remember doing that, uh, Sonny, and somebody I was reading said, if you remember, Daniel had been promoted. He had been promoted to one of the three leaders, Alex, and they said they believe he was probably on a – now, we don't know this speculation – he wasn't in town during that period of time. He was probably uh, sent on a mission somewhere or gone on a mission somewhere. Have you got a better answer than that? Well, you know, um, and we use this verse at Christmas, but in Daniel 2.49 it says Daniel was promoted to be governor over all the wise men of Babylon. I know Daniel didn't bow down. He might have been off praying or because of his high position, Nebuchadnezzar might have even exempted him from this. And he could have, sure enough, been on a foreign trip. It's easy to be, yeah, be not maybe. there. Thomas wasn't there for a bad reason. Daniel, that had been a good reason. Hey, we're going to be back right after the break. As followers of Christ, we are on mission. We're to share that gospel with people we come in contact with. Pastor Bert Harper. Bert Harper. That's what God wants to do. He wants to use you for his glory as a faithful servant. So when you come before him, he can say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Exploring Missions, Saturday afternoons at 2.30 Central and Sundays at 1 on American Family Radio. AFR programming is now available on Alexa. You're joking, right? Nope, not joking. Seriously? Yep, this is not a drill. Wait a minute, no way. There's a way, the Alexa way. So if you just happen to miss your favorite shows, no worries. You can now listen to each podcast with Alexa. It's simple and it's free. Just visit AFR.net forward slash apps and click Alexa. We're not joking. I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. A generation has been taught they descend from animals, that there is no God. They've been taught they are nothing more than a cosmic accident. They have no purpose, and life has no meaning. Life's meaninglessness has been punctuated for them by the 60 million children who've been slaughtered in the womb and counting. But society is shocked when they act out exactly as they have been taught. 
like animals with no conscience. Respect for human life begins with respect for the life giver. America needs repentance. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 says, Therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. Years ago, a guy that I used to carpool with had a car that always had the check engine light on. It just never went off. But one morning, I got into his car, and the check engine light wasn't blinking anymore. I said, man, you fixed your car. What was wrong with it? He grinned and said, look closer. He hadn't had it fixed. He had just covered over the warning light with black tape. So if the Holy Spirit's light of conviction is blinking in your life, don't ignore it. Our lives only run the way they're supposed to when we stop and allow God to fix the things that need attention. Listen closely to Him and let Him make the necessary repairs. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Bertie and Alex, it's Fireway Friday. We are taking those phone calls. We have enjoyed them. We've heard from Oklahoma, Texas, Louisiana, Minnesota, Kansas, and Arkansas. Where are we going to next, Alex? Well, we're going to go back to Arkansas uh, and speak with Camelia uh, in Arkansas. Did I, did I pronounce your name correctly? Yes, Cornelia. Oh, well, it's good to have you. What you got? Well, I've got a comment before I get to my question. I heard okay. Simon Appleman teach. Uh, he had a sermon entitled uh, The Man Who Kissed the Door of Heaven and Went Straight to Hell. That's so who it was. With Simon Appleman, I don't know. Amen. I Believe it or not, uh, I got to hear him one time at a, at a conference of the Southern Baptist Convention, and he happened to be there. And it was. Well, he, he held a revival in our church. Oh wow! In the late fifties or early sixties. Yeah, sure. And Thank you, Cornelia. I, that, I, you have that helped is really me. something. I've and, and I've got to dots. say this, <laughs> and and I want uh, people. I want to get to your question, but all these people we reference, like Vince Havner and Hyman I loved Appleman, him. he was one of my favorites. Yeah, people, you need to search out these great leaders. Uh, in fact, Billy Graham. Bible. Oh yeah. You know, uh, Billy Graham said that Hyman Appleman was one of his favorite preachers. He was a born-again Jewish man. Uh, so I'm glad that, Bert, we try to keep these great leaders in front of people, don't we? We do. And listen, uh, that's we have been blessed to have them. And we're blessed today to have great preachers today. David Jeremiah is preaching the Word, and I thank God for men like that. We have others. And so keep them in prayer that we those preachers would stay strong. Okay, Cornelia, what is your? Thank you for that. You've made my day by connecting that dot about that sermon. So I appreciate it. Uh, what's well, your I question? That every time you mention some of those older people, I just perk up. <laughs> uh, this is my question. I want you to speak to the 
issues involved in Calvinism. Is it a doctrine? Is it a false doctrine? And does it alter other traditional biblical teachings? Okay. Alex, we get this quite often, and we always say this. We try to say it and be as honest as we can. We have brothers and sisters and friends that are Reformed in in the area of Calvin. And listen, and those that do not let it affect their evangelism and missions. And, and Alex, you brought up another issue the last time we talked about it, and that is a little bit of, of pride, you know, if, if it, it should humble us that God would even have time for us. So, uh, yeah. but we can work together, but we don't, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things you better be careful about. Go ahead, Alex. Well, thanks for asking. And, uh, you know, to define Calvinism in a sentence or two wouldn't really do it justice. It, it might be like saying, you know, what is America? Well, that's going to take a while to develop that answer. But let, let me just say this. Um, during the time of the Reformation, 500 years ago, you know, you had Martin Luther and you had Holrich Zwingli and Menno Simons, and one of the people in Geneva, Switzerland, one of the Reformers was John Calvin. And John Calvin wrote a lot about Christianity, and Calvinism is a system of Christian thought based on the beliefs and writings of John Calvin, just like uh, Lutheranism largely is drawn from the work and the thought of Martin Luther. Methodism is largely drawn from the work and the writings of of John Wesley. Now, in terms, I want to be very clear, Calvinists are saved. They believe in Jesus. They're uh, going to heaven, as is anybody who puts their faith in Jesus. So, but um, a big emphasis in the Calvinistic mindset is this this emphasis on the sovereignty of God. Now, a lot of John, it's been said that first-rate thinkers collect second-rate followers very often, and it's also been said that as Calvinism is today, John Calvin wouldn't be a Calvinist, a lot of people say. Now, this is an intramural debate, uh, but let me just say this. Uh, The Word of God, if you just read the Bible by yourself, and and I'm going to make a statement, and I love Calvinists. I'm thinking of a number of friends right now that are very, very, very devoted to John Calvin. But, Bert, I'm convinced if you just read the Bible for yourself, taking it for what it says, you would never get to Calvinism. Calvinism is, is a philosophy that's taught not really derived purely from Scripture. And you know who says that? There's a a brilliant theologian at Southeastern Seminary named Kenneth Keithley, and he says that in a book. Because here's the thing. If you take Calvinism to its logical end, you have to deny the free will of man. You have to believe, I mean, if you're going to be consistently logical with it, that God elects some, creates some people merely to send them to hell. And really, and, and I, I had a professor once that was a devout Calvinist, and he agreed, if you take Calvinism to its logical end, you have to conclude that God is the originator of evil. God is the author of sin. Now, look, again, if you're a Calvinist or Reformed 
And look, I, my family has been in the Presbyterian Church 200 plus years. Um, I am the black sheep of the family because I became a Baptist. But here's the thing. Uh, I know they love Jesus, but I would just say if we're going to be consistent, let's just take the Word of God for what it says. And the Word of God, sure, it talks about the, the sovereignty of God, but it does talk about the responsibility of man. And just and so, because yeah. we cannot get our minds about how they work together does not mean it is not true that the sovereignty of God and man's free will or accountability, listen, there. what did Spurgeon say? Why should friends uh, yeah. fight? Or, you Somebody know? said, how do you reconcile the sovereignty of God and the free will of man? Yeah. And he said, you don't have to reconcile friends. That's exactly right. And I, I can't explain how they work together, but they do. The Bible shows that. So, Cornelia, we hope we help. Where we go to next, Alex? We're going to go to Arkansas, just one of the most beautiful parts of the country. Over in Arkansas, it's David. Welcome to the program. Hello. Yeah, go Hi. ahead, David. First time caller. Well, great. And, uh, Did you know that your your state is the only one mentioned in the Bible? No, I did not know. Yeah, that. Noah looked out of the ark and saw. <laughs> Good okay, one, enough. This I uh, know it's Friday, and uh, so right, anyway, go ahead, David. Right Just say it. Uh, so Second Thessalonians chapter two, where they talk, where Paul talks about the uh, son of perdition and uh, his coming first before our Lord comes, uh, Emmanuel. Anyways, what do you think he is going to be? I believe he's going to be in a spiritual body, but people are going to believe he is. God. He comes as God instead of anti. Okay. However you want to phrase it. So, that's that's the whole idea, isn't it, Alex? I mean, you know, the that's what Satan wanted to do and Lucifer wanted to do in heaven. He wanted to be like the Most High. He really wanted to take the place of the Most High. Has that changed? And it does not change even at, uh, before Christ comes back. Yeah, you know, that Second Thessalonians 2, 3, uh, talks about the son of perdition, and really means the, the son of destruction. I mean, he destroys, but he is going to get destroyed. And then over in Revelation 12, the Antichrist really gets revealed. And you see, in the first part of the tribulation, the, the Antichrist, uh, I don't think people are going to be saying, oh my goodness, that's the Antichrist, because he's going to present as a leader who gets uh, peace in the Middle East and the economy you know, there's food on every table, and everybody's going to say, my goodness, this is the leader we've always wanted. You know, what an incredible, uh, charismatic, political, international figure. It's just one global village of harmony. But midway through the tribulation, the Antichrist is going to say, uh, I am God, worship me or die. And he's going to be, it will be a, a human being, but driven by, controlled by, possessed by Satan, and it's going to be, the Bible calls him, quote, the man of sin. Yep. Just as Jesus was the son of righteousness, the son of God, well, the Antichrist is going to be the man of sin. And friend, again, the way to be ready for all these things is to have Jesus. I hope you've called on his name and been saved. We go up to Virginia to speak with Will in Virginia. Uh, welcome to the program, Will. Hey, Oxenbert, y'all are doing a great job. I, I'm so blessed I've got a job with a commute during your show. 
<laughs> Praise God. But uh, I got a question. I've heard you all talk about uh, using the word position when you talk about in Christ, and when you're walking with Christ or when you're praying in the name of Christ. I just wondered if you guys could elaborate a little on the word in, that preposition, um, if you could help us out. Just, Amen. Sort of see, uh, That's a great question, see. Will. Amen. Uh, it reminds me of that story. I, I, it was E.V. Hill or S.M. Lockridge, and they preached the whole sermon on the word in. They asked him to preach a sermon on being in Christ, you know, uh, you know, and he just preached the word in, and he used the idea of the ark. He used the idea of coming into the holy of holies. Alex, the whole idea is in its presence. It's in his presence. You remember in the ark, Jesus oh, didn't yes. tell them to go in. He said what? Come in. And, and so it is in Christ, authority and power, and I, I would say his very presence. I was going to say that authority. And you know what, that, that word like in Romans chapter 12 where it says, for we who are in Christ, Romans 12, 5, uh, are one body. All right, the word means uh, positionally relationship, but it also means bot Christ. It means authority. And so uh, it's a lot of things. Um, it's our security. It's our standing. It is our authority. Uh, and so to be in Christ brings with it a lot of blessings. Uh, time fleets away, so we're going to try to do as much as we can. Jerry, in Missouri, where I'm going to be tomorrow, Missouri. Welcome, Jerry. Are you there, Jerry? Yes. Oh, go ahead. You're on the radio. Okay, good. Okay, uh, pleasure to talk to you, gentlemen. Uh, my question, uh, Alex, maybe more for you as a musician, fellow musician. Uh -huh. uh, I've been in different worship settings, different worship teams, that kind of thing, and a lot of the music that we've played throughout the years, I don't necessarily agree with the teaching from the ministries it comes from, some of them I would call downright heretical. Uh, I don't want to name names on your platform, but I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Especially, you know, in light of like what you just talked about Monday in Galatians, where you know Paul says to you know false teachers, let them be, you know, anathema. And Ooh, you know, a lot let of me say this. Like that, that I think I understand the gist of your question. And Bert, have you ever been in a place where they had great teaching, but the 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 music, the worship was just deplorable? And then other times they have world class music and pretty, you know, empty <laughs> teaching. Yeah, uh, I wish both. we could yeah. get it all. It, but amen. In 1988, I'll never forget. I read an interview with Bill Gaither, and contemporary. Music was coming along, you know, in the 80s, and somebody asked Bill Gaither, uh, what about this contemporary stuff? And, of course, you know, Bill Gaither wrote Because He Lives, and uh, he touched me. And, I mean, just, goodness, he is a classic composer. We've had him on the show before. And Bill Gaither said, um, I, I don't know that we could say one beat is anointed over another. You know, um, so, Bert, I think when it comes to orthodoxy of musical lyrics or orthodoxy of preaching, false teaching or false singing, it's not the style but the content. 
You really. got that right. Alex, let me just say this. With Hems, we've, by most part, we've had generations to weed out the bad. You catch what I'm saying? Hems have been around. And what we do, we keep those that are sound doctrine and have movement to it. In the new contemporary style, what's happening, you're getting it all. And, and, and a lot of times they're producing them. And it hasn't had time to, quote, weed those that are weak and even, yeah. as Jerry said, false out. You, you catch, you catch what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah. so, uh, but I believe in both. Listen, there's a scripture that talks about, it's a parable Jesus used, and it said the host presented the gifts, both old and new. You catch, I mean, both old yeah. and new. What you want, you want good stuff, and that's what you want in music, and that's what you're striving for. Weed out those that are not good, those that are false doctrine. Jerry, uh, I one story, and then, Alex, I'll turn it over to you. This will be our last caller for today. But uh, the pastor at Bellevue, okay, and this is before Adrian Rogers, you this know. Dr. Lee. Dr. R.G. Lee. I, I heard this, and people saw it. They were singing a song at Bellevue, and it was biblically wrong. And R.G. Lee, right in the middle of that ser- uh, song, got up at the pulpit and said, stop it, stop it. That's not even close to what the Bible says. And then he mm. started preaching. That's R.G. Lee, what he did. Hey, we, we need that. And uh, caller, Jerry, I thank you so much for calling in. And yes, I love music, but let's let's more than we even love music or aesthetics or preferences, let's make sure that we love truth. And in doing that, we love Jesus. Amen. Alex, Bert, hope you have a great love. time in St. Louis, brother. Be safe. And if you're, what's the name of that church? Uh, the Old Brick Church in Irondale, Saturday night and all day Sunday. I hope to see you there. And I'll be at First Baptist Church, Baldwin, Mississippi, at 9.30 Sunday morning. If you can make it, we'd love to see you there. Come up and speak to us. Alex, we'll get back on Galatians on Monday. Yes, we will. Folks, do me a favor. Tell somebody about exploring the Word. Most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. Jesus.